the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. May his grace and his blessing be with us now and unto the age of all ages. Amen. Today, brothers and sisters, is the third Sunday of the blessed and journey of the great fast. And this Sunday is known as the Sunday of the Prodigal Son. And this story is an amazing story of repentance that the church in her wisdom gives to us each year during the great fast to remind us that the path of repentance is open. The church is reminding us today that our Heavenly Father is ready to accept us if we return to Him. And this statement that God is ready to accept us if we are ready to return to Him, it may seem fairly obvious. It may strike you as a statement hardly worth making. But in reality, many people do not really believe that God will receive their repentance. Many people, uh, they do not truly believe that God uh, will accept them and that they can change their ways. But today, however, we see the marvelous mercy of God in the parable before us. In the parable, we are presented with a father who has two sons. The father, of course, represents God, our heavenly father, and the younger son represents humanity, all of us collectively together. The younger son really is you and me. The father was getting old, and the son did not want to wait for the father to pass away in order to get his share of his father's inheritance. So he demanded his inheritance from his father immediately, while his father was still alive. His father, who loved him very much, must have been extremely grieved and sad at such a request. The father knew, of course, that such a request would most probably be harmful to his son, but in his love, he respected his son's freedom. He respected his son's free will and his demand for his inheritance. We oftentimes, brothers and sisters, treat God in the same way as the younger son treated his father. The inheritance in the parable represents all of the treasures and all of the good things that God gives to us. God is the source of blessings in our life. As we read in Matthew chapter 5, he makes his son rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. God is the Pantocrator, the bestower of all good things. And yet many times we want to take the good things that God has given us and we want to enjoy them without God. We want the thing, but we don't want the giver. And this is what the younger son did. He was not content simply to have his father's inheritance at some point in the future, but he wanted to enjoy the inheritance immediately and away from his father. He wanted the treasures of his father, but he did not want his father himself. And this is one of the ways in which we can fall into sin, leading such a life in which we focus on enjoying all of the things that God has given us without having a deep and a personal and a spiritual relationship with him. This is, if you think about it, exactly what happened to Adam and Eve in paradise. God created Adam and Eve, our foreparents, and he gave them everything that one can imagine. 
He gave them immortality. He gave them love. He gave them harmony. He gave them peace. And he even gave them a unique identity as the crown of creation. Mankind being God's exalted creation, having dominion over every living thing on earth. Not only did God give the first humans these great things, but he gave them something even more precious, something even more significant. He gave them his image. He gave them his likeness. He made them to be like him. And despite all of these great things that God had given the first humans, they wanted their inheritance immediately. If you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall be like God. And the serpent says to them, Did God really say this? No. Go ahead and eat. I will give you everything that God promised, but without God. You don't need him. I will provide for you. And of course, this is the great lie of the slanderer, the diabolos, the devil, who continues to lie and slander God and makes us falsely believe that we can survive only with him and the temporal and the fleeting things that he can offer us. The result, of course, of the action of our first parents was similar to what happened to the prodigal son. They were banished from paradise, and humanity has lived as strangers ever since. And this is the result of sin, brothers and sisters. It makes us strangers, not only strangers to God, but also strangers to ourselves and to one another. Last night, I was reading with the girls the memoirs of Father Loa Sidaros, and he mentioned in his memoirs how he remembers his first sin. He remembers that when he was six years old, his mother wanted to know whether there was a liturgy in the church because there was some construction in the church. So she sent her son, Abuna Loa, and he went as a little boy, and he saw that there was liturgy. But because he loved his mother so much and he didn't want her to leave and go to church, he wanted to spend the day with her, he told a lie. He told her that no, there is no liturgy. And Abuna goes on in his memoir to catalog and to reminisce on how he felt afterwards, that he felt that he was outside of himself, that he had done something wrong and that it had tarnished his soul. This is the result of sin, brothers and sisters. It makes us strangers, not only to God, not only to one another, but also strangers to our own selves, because he felt that the white robe that was in his soul had now been tarnished. Something had changed on the inside. And if you look around today, you will see that people in the world all around us are unhappy, but they don't know why. They feel something is not right in their lives, but they are not able to identify it. They feel uneasy, confused, alienated in the world, but with no real explanation. Even though they have everything, they want more. And when they are able to get more, it brings them no happiness. They constantly seek to be fulfilled, but they are never satisfied. 
Everything is right, but everything is wrong at the same time. And to make up for this emptiness that many people feel in this world, they fill their lives with activities and they frantically run around here and there. They drown their feelings with television, with the internet, with secular music, with video games and other distractions. However, when they cannot entertain themselves any longer and everything becomes quiet, they still feel the despair and the dread in their hearts as they recognize the meaninglessness of their lives and they experience boredom and fear. This, brothers and sisters, is the result of sin. This is the result of sin. This, this feeling that no matter what you do, you cannot be happy. It is a sign that there is something going on in your life that is deeper something that needs to be addressed not by the things of the world, but by spiritual medicine, the medicine of repentance. And this is the spiritual sickness that is prevalent throughout the world today. And it happens to us when we try to enjoy the things that God has given us, but without having a deep and meaningful relationship with Him. And this sickness is the result of the absence of God from our hearts, no matter what we do, there is nothing that can fill the place of God in our hearts. Because, like I mentioned earlier, He made us in His image. We are made in God's image. And so if we block God's image, if we put layers upon layers of sin over the image of God in our soul, no matter what we do, we will never be happy we will never be fulfilled. And so we see in the story of the prodigal son that now this younger son, the prodigal, after he receives his father's inheritance, he traveled to a far country. And this was a country that was far away from his father, far away from God, far away from salvation. He went into a land full of sin and uncleanness, he went to a land where he could give no thought to his father any longer. And in the same way, we oftentimes travel to a distant land in our lives as well. The distant land here does not necessarily mean that we go someplace far physically, but it is possible for us to go far away from God spiritually on the inside. St. Ambrose of Milan teaches us, he refers to how the younger son departed away from himself. He departed away from who he was supposed to be. He departed away from his true nature, from the image of God in his soul. He left himself. He left who he was supposed to be. And St. Ambrose goes on and he asks, what is farther away than to depart from oneself? and not from a place. Surely whoever separates himself from Christ is an exile from his country, a citizen of the world. Sin makes us citizens of the world, which is contrary to our natural state. As St. Paul reminds us, our citizenship is in heaven and not the world. Our church and her beautiful liturgical tradition reminds us as well that we are sojourners or strangers in the world. 
This is the natural state of the Christian, to be a stranger in the world, to live in the world, yes, to be in many respects like other people in the world, yes, but at the same time to not be of the world, to not belong to the world, to not be a citizen of the world. We are in fact exiles living in this world. In Psalm 137, David the prophet gives a beautiful lamentation about the exile of humanity from our true nature. He says, By the streams of Babylon we sat and wept as we remembered Zion. On the willows we hung our harps, for how could we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? We read the psalm in the Agbeya before we go to sleep to remind us that just as the Jews were exiled from their homeland, we as human beings are also living in exile away from God. Just as the Jews wept and they had a burning desire to return to their homeland, to return to themselves, we also weep for our sins and we seek to return truly to the presence of God, to return to our nature, which again is made in the image of God, to have the image of God glowing within us, shining, as we pray in the Psalms, sign your image within us. Now, while the prodigal son is in this distant land, something unthinkable happens to him. He wasted all of his living, and he began to be in want as he lived in this distant land full of sin. He had no money, he was hungry, and he was cold. He had to join himself to a citizen of the country who really didn't care about him at all. And he was told to go and feed swine, to go and feed pigs. The very food that he was feeding to the pigs was appetizing to him because he was that hungry. It is at this point that we encounter the next symbolic character in this parable, the citizen of this country. If this country is a land of sinful and unclean living, then who is the citizen of this country? Who is the one that belongs to the land of unclean living and sin? Of course, it is Satan. It is the devil the enemy of all good, who constantly enslaves those who drift away into sin. Enslavement is exactly the word that we should use to describe what happened in this parable, because the younger son was forced to join himself to the citizen just so that he might survive. He was enslaved by the citizen. He was led to the state of enslavement to the citizen because he began to be in want. Notice here that once he is deprived of the goodness of his father's mercy and love, he starts to realize that he really is in need. He thought all of those things that he could buy with his inheritance would give him a long-term happiness, but once those things run out, then he realizes what his real needs are. And because he is away from his father's love and mercy, he is in need, and that need leads him to enslavement to the citizen of the country. Before, when he was with his father, he was arrogant enough to think that he could survive without his father. But later, when he was in the distant land and living the life of sin, he thought he was happy. He thought that he could survive with whatever Satan had given him. 
But these strangers in the distant land, they deceived the prodigal son into thinking he was free and happy, but that only lasted until he used up all of his inheritance. Once he had nothing else to offer them, they left him and he became their slave. And it is the same way with us, brothers and sisters, today. Many times we depart from our true selves and we enter into sin so that we can impress perhaps a particular person or maybe a particular group of friends, thinking that they will understand our sacrifice for them and they will love us as much as God. In every single instance, however, we are disappointed and let down because these people accept us only as much as we are somehow useful to them. These people whom we desperately want to accept us, they can never love us as our Father does. This is the bitter lesson the younger son learned when he saw that in one moment all of his supposed friends who were feasting with him and enjoying his inheritance all at one moment, they abandoned him. Once there was trouble, once there was a famine, they all left him. They left him alone to be enslaved to the citizen of that distant and unclean land. And here we read that the unclean food of the pigs that was given to him by the citizen, by Satan, cannot satisfy him even though he is hungry um, and he is close to starvation. St. Ambrose of Milan reminds us that whoever departs from the word of God hungers because man lives not by bread alone, but by every word from God. And it is at this point that the younger son finally remembers the mercy and compassion of his father. He is starving he is eating the food of pigs. It's not satisfying him. And then he meditates on his former life and says, I once lived with my father who loved me, and I had food, and I had clothing, and I had friends. I was in an atmosphere of love and acceptance and affection. How could I have been so foolish as to have left my father and leave all of this behind? And he grieves. And he weeps bitterly over his misfortune. One of the Eastern fathers of the church, he teaches us to focus on the fact that even in the midst of his anguish, even in the midst of his starvation, even in the midst of his misfortune, the prodigal son still calls God Father. He still calls his father with that word, Father. Despite all that he had done, he did not lose the title of son, but instead he was able to remember God as Father. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit by whom we are able to call God Father. It is the Holy Spirit who enables us to be the adoptive sons and daughters of God. When we are baptized, we receive the ability to call upon God as our Father, and to say the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven. The younger son in the parable calls upon God as Father, signifying the grace of the Holy Spirit we receive in baptism. And this is a reminder that even when we sin, the Holy Spirit does not leave us. 
because once we have been baptized, the Holy Spirit remains from us. Even if we leave ourselves, even if we sin and we go to a distant land and we are enslaved to Satan, the Holy Spirit will not leave us. He will perhaps remain dormant and inactive within us so long as we choose sin over the work of God. But the Holy Spirit also acts as our conscience and he restores us to the right path. He pricks our conscience, so to speak, as he did with the younger son when he came to his senses and remembered God, his father. And we notice as well that the younger son, when he came to his senses, he didn't blame anyone for his situation. He did not blame his father for giving him the inheritance he did not blame the strangers for wasting the inheritance with him. He didn't even blame Satan. He didn't blame the citizen of that evil land, but instead he, blamed, he placed the blame solely on himself by saying, I will get up and return to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, so treat me as one of your hired servants. It's fitting for us to learn this important lesson from the prodigal son because too often we are eager to blame anyone other than ourselves for our sins. In society, we oftentimes even hear, uh, the devil made me do it. But this saying is really a deception because the devil cannot make you do anything. The devil simply is not that powerful to force you to do anything. If the devils could make us do things, none of us would be saved. And if the devils could make us do things, then we wouldn't have free will. Then God's free will would have been overridden. But that, of course, is not the case. The devil, gave, the devil cannot make us do anything because God has given us perfect and absolute free will to make decisions for ourselves. What the devil does, of course, is he tempts us. He whispers ideas of sins in our minds and hearts, and we can either accept or reject them. And we spoke about this last week when Neil gave the wonderful homily on spiritual warfare. And I encourage you to listen to that so that you can see the ways in which the devil continues to fight us. But we have the last word, brothers and sisters. We have the last word whether we will accept or reject his temptation. But in the end, when we sin, we blame no one other than ourselves. And this is one of the good qualities of the prodigal son. Now in the parable, the prodigal son then came to himself. When he departed to that distant and sinful land, he left himself. But once he found himself in a terrible position, he came to himself. And when he came to himself, he made the decision to rise and to go back to his father in repentance. And this is a very important point. Repentance requires action. Repentance requires action. This is something that we've mentioned before. The word for repentance, the one that we use in the church commonly, is metanoia, which we oftentimes hear as metania. And that word means change. It means change. And that means that repentance is positive action. 
There has to be a change in your repentance if you want God to accept it. Not only must there be positive change, but we must also be ready to struggle to get back to our Father. And this is something the younger son did. He realized how far away he was from his father. He had to travel a great distance to get back to his father. And this great distance required a lot of work and effort for for him. Uh, If you think about it, he was starving. He was starving while he was next to the pigs. How must have he felt as he traveled a great journey without food getting back to his father? It must have been a very difficult and painful journey for him, but he didn't so that he could return and come back to his father. And this is repentance for all of us as well. Yes, the moment comes when we return to ourselves, but then to come back to God, there must be change. There must be a work that is done under the watchful eyes of our father of confession And through that work, which may be painful, which may be difficult, through that work we return to our Heavenly Father. The Father, when He sees His Son coming, He runs out to meet Him. The younger son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And as I mentioned to you every year, The beautiful point that came to me through my wife, which she heard from her priest, which I think is a very beautiful detail. If you remember what the prodigal son said he was going to say, he said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, so make me as one of your hired servants. That's what the script was. When he comes and he sees his father and they actually mean, he starts the script Father, I am sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father cuts him off. The father does not allow him to say the second part. Make me as one of your hired servants. Because the father will not accept him as anything less than a son. So the father does not allow him to say anything about being his servant. Because for the father, he will always be his son. And this is how God sees us as well. No matter what we do, no matter how far we stray away from Him, no matter how long we are away from Him, we are fundamentally His sons and daughters. And He will not accept us as anything else. Yes, we do serve Him. We do serve Him as our God. But our fundamental identity are is children of God. And he is waiting for us so that he might share his eternal kingdom and give each of us a seat at his table in the kingdom of heaven, not as servants, but as his children, as his friends, even as his brothers and sisters, as our Lord Jesus Christ sometimes refers to us. So the Father does not accept him as anything less than a son. Instead, the Father comes, embraces him, kisses him, and this, of course, is a symbol of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done with humanity. Our Lord came and with all humility, and he took flesh so that, like the Father, he might embrace our human nature, that he might put a ring on our finger, that he might have a great feast for us. This is a symbol of the kingdom of heaven and the banquet that is held whenever a sinner returns. 
We, like the younger son, could not have expected much after we sinned against God, uh, against him. And yet God, in his great mercy and compassion, like the Father, gives us everything that we lost because of sin, and he also gives us more. And this is made possible through the work of our Lord Jesus Christ in his incarnation and all of his life-giving work. I don't have any more time. I wish I could speak to you more about this, but for the sake of time, I want all of us, brothers and sisters, to see today as a call to repentance. And I want to encourage you, you heard the parable today, I want to encourage you to read Luke chapter 15, the whole chapter, every day this week, from today until next Sunday. Read the entire chapter of Luke 15. It contains three parables, and in every one of these three parables, something is lost and found. We have the parable of the coin, the parable of the lost sheep, and the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15. And you would do an amazing work for your souls and for your family if you read this together every day from now until next Sunday. So today is a call to action. We are called today to rise and return to God. If you look at your life and you find yourself distant from God because of sin, remember what God has promised you today in this parable Fix your mind on the goodness and the mercy of God, and God will give you strength. May our Lord Jesus Christ, who through his life-giving suffering and glorious resurrection gave us the precious mystery of repentance and confession, may he grant each of us the strength to rise up and to return to him so that we may live with him and that we may serve him in purity and righteousness all the days of our life, and glory be to God forever. Amen.